You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. And would you look at that? We are now a week away from the 2021 NFL Draft. In just seven days, we're going to find out what tricks Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears have up their sleeves, if any. I'm Russell DeWitt, my co-host Nicholas Moriano. He's right here with me, and we are stoked that you are joining us for this Chicago Bears Draft Preview episode. It's going to be a lot of fun, super informational, because we have a very special guest on with us today. It's a name that you should know, and if you don't, it's a great time to become acquainted with them. It is Jacob Infante, the draft expert over at Windy City Gridiron. He also has bylines over for the Draft Wire. Jacob, first of all, welcome aboard. It's been a long time coming, and I'm very glad uh, to have you on here on Thursday, not Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I was just so eager to hop on the show that I completely uh, mixed up the days and thought it was two days before. But regardless, I, it, it was worth the wait. I mean, I'm really excited to be able to hop on. You're right. It has been a long time coming. And like, because I've, I've known both of you guys for quite a while. I met Will, like, I think it was two years ago now. And then I two met half, Nick yeah. pretty soon after. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, you and I met, it was right before that magical 2018 season, the summer of 2018. Yeah. Uh, you were a student at a summer camp that I was running at the time. Well, not running. I was a counselor of, at the time, the High School Journalism Institute at Indiana University. Uh, you were there for a few days learning about sports media. You chose the wrong school. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's where we finally met in person. And that's one of my favorite stories I tell people about just like this podcast and Bears Twitter in general, because you and I never met in person. We've talked on Twitter yeah. a lot. And then it was like, you're in the same room as I am. I was like, wait a minute, checking your name. Like, you're Jacob. And you're Will. And I was like, no idea. So it's so cool yeah. how that all kind of worked out. But have you met Nick in person? I forgot if you two have actually met in person. We have. Uh I remember, I think twice now we've met in person because it was uh, the first time was at a training camp. I don't remember what year. I want to say nine, 2019, maybe. I think Probably it might be. It was... Yeah. And then and we, then met we down... just met in Mobile. Yeah. Yeah. We just met down uh, back in January. So we got to we got to hang out, grab a bite. It was cool. So. I've known y'all for quite a bit now, so it's exciting to be able to hop on the show. I'm excited to have you on. This is the perfect time. I mean, you're the draft guy. I know it's Sunday <laughs> after the draft. You're looking at next year's draft class. Like You're already coming out with way too early predictions or like guys that you like, and uh, that level of, I'll call it geekitude uh, when it comes to the draft <laughs> classes is something that I'm really stoked to bring on here to learn more about uh, with me getting to this stage of my life and uh, buying a house and moving and transitioning jobs. This offseason is probably the most removed I've been in terms of like actually doing my own personal homework. So that's why I'm bringing you on. I'm doing uh, the, what do you want to call it? The Spark Notes version. Not really. We're going to get some really good insight from you here. 
But Jacob, you live and breathe NFL Draft 24-7, 365, and on top of that, you're a Bears fan, so you're going to be able to bring some information from uh, Bears lens, and we're going to not just look at guys from days one and days two, but we're also going to look at some of those maybe lesser-known players in the mid to late rounds. But before we start throwing some questions your way, I do need to let everyone know that today's episode is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Because nothing feels better than being able to enjoy a rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body along the way. They start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed from the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then they blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel like the best you ever have. And the result... It's the fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. And not only that, it's friendly with paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. And for the last eight years, they've been a leader in the superfoods market, and they are proud to have served over millions of customers worldwide. That is the wrong one. Where did it go? Hold on a minute. Wrong buttons. I have to cover Nick's face with the promo code because you can get 15% off by visiting earthechofoods.com slash minute media and use the code minute 15. That's M-I-N-U-T-E 15. And I actually got my hands on some of this earlier this week. And by the way, it tastes so good and it's extremely versatile. It also comes with a recipe book. That way you can always find different ways to use it. Uh, I believe this weekend we're going to try some pancakes and maybe even some avocado pudding with it. So it's something I'm really looking forward to. And I know Nick's technically looking over it right now here on <laughs> your screen. But all right, before I get too hungry, let's go ahead and get back to the task at hand. And let's go ahead and dive on in. And Jacob, I was really debating how I wanted to start this show because there's one position above the rest that all Bears fans are talking about. And I figured, let's just start with it. It's quarterback. Everyone's going to be waiting to hear this stuff, so I want to make sure we hit it on the top of the episode here. So I want to begin with just gaining your opinion as a quarterback or two or any group of quarterbacks that you believe that you would trade up for if you are Ryan Pace. So if you are going to make a move into the top 10, top 5, are there any guys that you would trade into? I know there are some that... I would stay away from, but I'm bringing you on. Is there anybody in that category? Yeah, so I feel like one guy in particular that I feel pretty confident in trading up for is Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Uh, whether I don't know exactly where he's going to go because that third pick is so unpredictable at this point. It could really be any of Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. So there's so much up in the air for me to definitively say, okay, Justin Fields is going to fall. The Bears should target him at here because he might not even be available and the Bears might not even have a chance. But say if the 49ers go with Trey Lance or Mac Jones, then there's a possibility that Justin Fields is available around that pick six range, maybe that five or six area. The Bears could hypothetically move up there, give up a future first as well as some other you know, draft capital and secure their guy. I'd be totally okay with that. I mean, I'm generally of the thought that you should trade down more often than you trade up. But I feel like with Justin Fields or just a quarterback, you feel really good with in general. 
I feel like that's an exception you should be able to make just because of how important that position is. And I mean, come on, it's the Chicago bears. They haven't had a stable, good quarterback in decades, like (laughs) lifetimes. Yeah, literally. I think like Sid Luckman, maybe that's how far back we're talking here. Uh, so there's got to be that obvious thirst to get a quarterback. Uh, so I definitely move up for Justin Fields because I feel like he's pro ready and he has a very high ceiling uh, in terms of his dual threat ability, his overall accuracy, his poise in the pocket, all that jazz. Uh, and then another guy I'd maybe consider moving up for is Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Now that's that one I don't feel as strong about because he's a one-year FCS starter who only has one game of film in the last 12 months, and that one game wasn't very good. So I can totally understand being hesitant to move up for him, and I'm not as, you know, okay, we need to get this guy. I'm not in that same mindset with Lance as I am with Fields. Uh, But I still think that Trey Lance has one of, if not the highest ceilings in this class. I think that his arm talent, his dual threat ability, his mobility in and out of the pocket. I mean, it's, it's unmatched in this class. And with that alone and the flashes of deep ball accuracy that he's shown, I feel like if it'll take a year or two, but the bears do have Andy Dalton. They can start for 2021 and let Trey Lance kind of adjust to the game. They have that situation. Trey Lance can afford to sit for a little bit and learn under, in an NFL system and underneath a veteran quarterback. I think that would be a good landing spot for him. Uh, again, that's a much riskier move than Justin Fields, in my opinion, because I feel like Justin Fields is you know a day one starter. You feel a lot more secure about moving up for him. Trey Lance, there's this huge boomer bust factor, but I'd consider it for Trey Lance. I'd, I'd be a little bit more patient in wanting to move up for Trey Lance. Like I wouldn't go out of my way to move up for Trey Lance over Justin Fields. Like I'd much Mm -hmm. prefer Justin Fields, but Trey Lance, you know, he's still a very talented prospect and he has a very high ceiling at the next level. So in that case, I at the very least consider it. Nick, how about you? What quarterback question do you want to throw Jacob's way? Yeah, Jacob, I'm on the impression that the Bears probably won't move up, even if there is a quarterback available on that day one. But day two gets interesting. I think the two guys that always get brought up, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, who do you like there and and why? I think um, like Will and I have talked about Mond being a potential guy, but who is your preference if they're both available, the Bears are still looking for a quarterback, which one are you taking? Oh, uh, man. I mean, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm not too enthralled with either of them as day two picks. I can see the argument for going late round three, but I don't see either of them as second round prospects, especially with a Bears team that has as many needs as it has as many uh, deficiencies on both sides of the ball in terms of youth. Uh, And you can make the argument that, of course, quarterback is the most important position, but the way I generally view it is – if a quarterback is either ready enough to contribute from day one or they have a high enough ceiling to be a star, then they're going to go in round one. That's just the way that I look at it. Uh, Obviously in the case of like a Davis mills, he hasn't had as much game tape and that's, I think what's holding him back and, you know, past injuries and stuff like that. But I would take him over Kellen Mond. I do think that in terms of accuracy, uh, 
Arm strength, maybe Mond has the upper hand slightly, but I think Davis Mills has shown more consistent accuracy, more consistent poise in the pocket, uh, better ability to read the field. So I would take Davis Mills. I wouldn't go out of my way to like move up into the first round for them. Uh, I know that that's been a speculation thing that's been, you know, kind of put out there recently, but you know, I wouldn't do that, but say if Davis Mills is available with that third round pick, I would do that. Second rounder. I'm not so sure. Maybe if you move back and he's still there, I don't know. And I recognize the NFL is much higher on that type of quarterback than I am. And I'm sure that Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, maybe even Kyle Trask will all go a lot higher than I, you know, have them graded at or where I would take them at. But that's just my personal preference. Uh, and again, they're talented players. There's, you know, a decent amount to like in both uh, Mills and Mond, but I think that Davis Mills gets the edge for me. Uh, not that I like it, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more on the Mond train, but okay. when it comes to even later in the draft, because my next question is going to be, would you take anybody at 52? Doesn't sound like it. It's either if you trade up. So who actually, actually, let's go back a step. In the first round, any quarterback even worth it at 20 that's even realistically going to fall? I don't think anyone would, but would that just be a Mac Jones type if somehow he did fall? Uh, I'm just because, again, if you don't get a quarterback in rounds one or two, you're looking at the Andy Dalton show here more than likely in 2021. Yeah, so with that 20 pick, again, I don't expect either or any of the top five quarterbacks to fall that far. But if Mac Jones does fall, then I take him. And I'm saying that as a guy that's not super high on Mac Jones, admittedly. I think his ceiling is average NFL starter. But at the same time, for a later first-round pick like that, I think that's a very good investment uh, from just his ability to step in right away, his accuracy, his overall ability to read the field. Uh, doesn't have the highest physical ceiling. Uh, far from it, in fact. But I do think that he's very accurate. He has a great deep ball uh, great deep ball accuracy, I should say. And just the ability to stand tall in the pocket and be poised and not, you know, panic in the face of pressure. I like that a lot about him. Uh, so if Mac Jones were to fall hypothetically to 20, I'd take him. If not, I don't know if I'd go out of my way. I think that if, if the Patriots pass on him at 15, then maybe I'd start looking, okay, it's, you know, 16, 17, 18, whatever you can maybe start looking to move up and give up a little bit to just secure that you have a guy then. Cause I think that there's a pretty big gap between Mac Jones and then someone like Mills or Mond. Mm -hmm. uh, so in that case, I'd move up just a little bit, but I wouldn't go out of my way and say, okay, this guy is going to be our franchise guy. We're going to move heaven and earth to get him. I feel like that's more of a, Oh, you know, we weren't expecting him to fall. Let's let's go for it. Why not? I see that Nick has entered the chat. I still have a smile on my face uh, getting in there on YouTube, man. That's always fun. Uh, Jacob, say the Bears don't take a quarterback day one or day two, so we're sitting there on Saturday, day three. Do you have a favorite mid to late round quarterback prospect that the Bears uh, could be potentially interested in or that you see as an interesting fit uh, as like a more of a, develop, a developmental type of guy? Yeah, so I'm going to go in two different directions here. I actually have two guys that I kind of want to bring up. Uh, one of them is Jamie Newman uh, out of Wake Forest. He transferred to Georgia but never played a game there. So I think technically you call him from Wake Forest, but I don't know. Regardless, he didn't play in 2020. 
he didn't play his best at the senior bowl and he's, I think he's 23. So he's a bit older for a draft prospect. Uh, but all that aside, I think that his arm strength is one of the best in the class. Uh, his mobility, his overall ability to extend the play with his feet and pick up yards uh, is very underrated. I see it's different body types, but I do see a Cam Newton running style with Jamie Newman because he's athletic. He you know, runs well in a straight line, but he's not afraid to run over a defender either. And that might panic some NFL defensive coordinators. It's like, oh, you're a quarterback. You should be sliding. But Jamie Newman's the type of guy he's going to lower the shoulder and fight for extra yards. But as far as a pure quarterbacking ability, I think that his arm talent is up there when you're comparing him to the rest of the class. Uh, A bit inconsistent in terms of accuracy. He's shown some really good flashes and some really bad flashes. And I think part of that comes from uh, focusing too much on the first read and kind of panicking under pressure. I mean, we saw that at the senior bowl in the game itself, uh, and in practice where he was under pressure and he felt the need to just get the ball off or he just panicked and got a sack. Uh, so for regardless, I do think that uh, Jamie Newman has some tools to work with. He's definitely a work in progress. Uh, but if the bears say haven't taken a quarterback, it's round five uh, and Jamie Newman's still on the board. I'd absolutely consider it because I feel like, the, they haven't really taken a shot at any of those developmental toolsy types since right. Ryan Pace has been there, arguably even since before then. I'm trying to think of like a Nathan Enderley or Dan Lefevre or something. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's been a while. So I, I'd i be all for Jamie Newman in like the fifth round just to give him a shot, see what he has. Uh, another guy I want to bring up real quick is uh, Sam Ellinger out of Texas. Uh I don't feel like he's as high ceiling of a Jamie Newman type, but I do feel like his ties with Tom Herman, who's in the bears organization as an offensive analyst. uh, I think that Herman could give them a unique inside perspective about that, that no other team has. And I like Ellinger's tape. I mean, he's not the flashiest guy out there. He's not the biggest, doesn't have the biggest arm. Uh, He does have solid athleticism and I'm really impressed with his toughness in the pocket. He isn't afraid of pressure. He's able to set his feet and still deliver a nice ball, even though he's uh, getting, uh, whether it be a blitz or just, you know, collapsing pocket, he stands tall and he's, he's a tough guy and he's a high character dude. Uh, And I'm sure that there are a lot of quarterbacks in this class who are high character. I'll just preface that uh, by saying that, but hearing him uh, speak at the senior bowl and having the chance to go to his pro day, uh, he carries himself very well. So I just figured, you know, I'd throw that in there. Uh, it's not necessarily saying the guys I, I've talked about aren't high character. It's just that I've had the chance to talk to Sam Ellinger and mm-hmm. he seems like a, you know, a high character guy. So that disclaimer out of the way, I think that he'd be a solid, solid backup option. And I think that he could have a career actually somewhat similar to maybe like a Josh McCown or a Brian Hoyer where you stick around the league for a while, maybe you don't stick around uh, with one team for a long time, but he can develop into a spot starter or a high-end backup, and that'll get you some comp picks and free agency down the line. I know one from Texas as well, Colt McCoy. Oh, yeah, there we go. 
Hey, Cole McCoy's go. been in the league for a while, hasn't he? He has, I and think. yeah, I feel like I see him randomly on a sideline from whatever team that year. I'm like, oh, he's still around? <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> but yeah, that'd be a good, I think that's a good comp maybe for you to think through. Uh, regardless, everything seems like what we already kind of know. It's going to be very difficult for the Bears to find themselves with a good quarterback here in this draft. Heck, this whole offseason, unfortunately. Nick, I want to move over to wide receiver. Uh, do you want to kick things off with that one? Yeah, well, I thought you were going to say everything's on the table. I, I felt like that was a setup for what you were about to say. I'm trying well, not but... to use that phrase as much. <laughs> I know. We've heard it enough in the offseason yeah. with the Bears. But, yeah, Jacob, moving away from quarterback because we're going to hear that up until Thursday and obviously when the draft is actually going on. This is a deep wide receiver class. I feel like there's a bunch of good guys that can definitely help the Bears. Who are some of your favorite prospects, whether it's on day one or day two, rounds two, three? Who are some guys that you like in this wide receiver class? Yeah, so with this wide receiver class, one guy I really like, and with this wide receiver class, I'll just say this right out of the gate. I wouldn't take a wide receiver at 20 unless it's one guy, and that's Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. I mean, assuming that like Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell are all off the board, uh, Rashad Bateman's the one guy that I'd take there at 20. I feel like he's got... Pro Bowl potential at the next level. He could be a legit thousand yard receiver. I'm really impressed with how strong his hands are, how physical he is at the catch point, and just how crafty he is as a route runner. He's not the fastest guy out there. I mean, he's a good athlete, don't get me wrong, uh, but he wins a lot more with precision in his footwork and his cuts and how he uh, adjusts his stem so that he can attack weak uh, blind spots and coverage. So it's like, oh, I'm going to make you think I'm running it out and then I'm going to run it in. And then the cornerback's like, whoa, what are you doing? You know, I really <laughs> thought that you were going to be going to, you know, towards the sidelines there. You caught me for a loop. Uh, but yeah, I'm a really big fan of Rashad Bateman. He's the one guy I'd be perfectly fine with the Bears taking at 20. Otherwise, I recommend they just wait it out until day two if they're going to take a wide receiver just because of how deep this class is. I mean, and <laughs> one thing that I really like from a bears perspective is how deep the uh, class is in terms of slot receivers mm -hmm. in terms of those shiftier, faster guys who can change direction quickly. You can line them up outside. Sure. And they have that versatility if need be, but they're primarily slot receivers, which with Anthony Miller being on the trading block, I think that that's a great fit for the bears. If they choose to go in that direction, uh, Elijah Moore is a guy that I like on round two. Uh, he's definitely one of the most explosive receivers in this class on film. Uh, just the ability he brings after the catch and his shiftiness coming in and out of his breaks and making guys miss with, you know, great vision and lateral quickness after the catch. I've seen rumors about him going maybe round one. I don't buy that just yet, but I would really like him on round two. I feel like if he does fall there to 52, then he would be a really good option. Uh, another guy, two other guys I like, I should say are, uh, Amari Rogers out of Clemson and Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. So those are two guys that I'm a fan of. I think that Amari Rogers, uh, he's shifty. Absolutely. I'm going to say this about a lot of guys. They can change directions so well. Uh, I, at first I'll admit that I wasn't too sold on his route running ability, uh, heading into the senior bowl, but he looked really good and really crisp coming in and out of his breaks. Uh, so that made me go back to the tape and, while the tape still wasn't necessarily as good at the, you know, as it was in the senior bowl, I will trust that development. And I do think that he has the raw athleticism to continue to grow as a route runner. 
And then Dwayne Eskridge is just so much fun to watch. I mean, sure, he's older for a wide receiver prospect. I want to say 23 or 24, something like that. So, you know, there are those age concerns. I'm not trying to sound like ageist or anything, but that's that's the reality of the draft. Uh, teams aren't going to be, you know, they're going to be a little more hesitant to draft guys who are 23, 24, or even older in certain cases. Uh, but regardless, I think Eskridge is just a phenomenal talent, a really good athlete, uh, super uh agile after the catch maybe i don't think his testing numbers really did him justice i feel like he did a lot better on tape after the catch and making guys miss than he uh tested out at his pro day uh also has value as a kick returner he was a pretty dang good returner uh for western michigan in 2020 and with cordero patterson gone uh who knows how's, who's going to step in that role so i think that's a sneaky not i wouldn't say it's a big need but i do think it's a sneaky need that the bears could consider, especially when they're looking for like a running back or a wide receiver, or maybe even a cornerback. We'll see. But I feel like they could factor in uh, kick return ability at some point this year too. Now I don't have like a big board or rankings in front of me. So for Eskridge, give or take, where do you think he could or should go? Yeah. So with Eskridge, I'd honestly take him in round three, uh, but I wouldn't be mad if they took him in round two. I okay. like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be off the walls excited if the bears took Dwayne Eskridge in round two, but I'd be like, okay. I mean, I, I can see that. All right. Look, we can work with that round three though. That's when I start to get into uh, ecstatic territory because I just think he's so much fun to watch. And there's a lot of potential there. Uh, and he's shown some promise in terms of route running. Uh, and he's a tough runner too. He's a, I want to say he's like five, nine, but he's not like a skinny five, nine he's built. You know, so he can, you know, run over guys as well as he can run around them. So he's a guy I really like as well. But I think round three is probably the best range for him. Whether he'd fall to the Bears pick at round three, I don't know. But I think you never know. It's the draft. Anything can happen. Sure can. Uh, by the way, I love that you brought up Elijah Moore. Uh, I had him in my first mock draft and it wasn't a first round. I don't think I started the rumor mill uh, just with our one little mock draft <laughs> show, um, but he was ranked pretty high in the big boards and simulators I was using and I liked what I saw. Um, I, don't, I got Nick at the time was like, get out of here. And then a week later, uh, he's hopped on the train a little bit. So I was glad to hear uh, he's somewhat on your radar as well. I want to switch to offensive tackle. Uh, because that's another big pressing need right now for the Bears. And I know there's a lot of just talk and the consensus about, you know, Tevin Jenkins, if he's there at 20, you take him. So first of all, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. And say he's off the board, or maybe someone is like in that fringe territory of falling. Who are just some candidates in round one for the Bears at this tackle position? Yeah, so, I mean, Tevin Jenkins has been the most popular target for the Bears in a lot of mock drafts, especially in the Chicago area. I mean, a lot of us as, you know, people who like to write about the bears or, you know, do podcasts and videos and all that stuff. We all know that they're looking for an offensive tackle at some point in the draft, uh, or at least they should be. And Tevin Jenkins, say, we don't know that we don't yeah. know. And <laughs> giving, giving what we know about the team, they'll probably avoid it. They'll just draft like five centers and then we'll be like, what? <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, okay, you guys all, you fight amongst yourselves. We'll figure out the tackle position another year. We just, yep. we've got three centers. Look at us go. Uh, but yeah, I think that Tevin Jenkins, he's my personal favorite to go at number 20. Uh, if I were picking and he were on the board, he would be my pick. 
I just feel like he brings that next level of nastiness to his game, uh, which is something the offensive line doesn't really have a ton of. I mean, I feel like Cody Whitehair is the closest thing the Bears have to like a truly nasty guard. And that's mild. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the guys along the offensive line win with technique more so than they do with power. And, that you know, that's not to knock Tevin Jenkins' technique. I think he uses his hands really well. And just his ability to adjust his angles and his pass sets is uh, it's really impressive to me. But I think the power is the thing that I love because he's got super strong hands that he can just use to jab you at the point of attack and then just overwhelm you and shut you down. And he's got enough power in his lower half to be able to drive guys into the dirt uh, in the run game. And he's not a bad athlete on tape. I do think his pro day measurements might have been a bit skewed uh, just based off of what I've seen on tape of his. And that's not saying he's a bad athlete. He's a pretty solid athlete. But I do think that he wins more with size and power. And I feel like that's something the Bears could need at right tackle. I feel like he's the type of guy who can step in day one and be an impact player. Yeah, that's uh, he's a fun guy to look into, and uh, I know we keep talking about bringing the nasty. You need some of that. You know, we haven't had that since what Kyle Long's rookie year, and then going back prior to that, Owen Crutes. It's been a while since you've had some yeah. of those players here in Chicago, uh, without a doubt. Uh, Nick, any other offensive tackle early prospects you want to get some uh, insight on, or just any general questions there? Yeah, Jacob, what's what are your thoughts on? the BYU offensive tackle Brady Christensen as a later round tackle let's say the Bears they want to get some playmakers with the wide receiver and maybe they draft a corner early on and they're waiting like they have done in the past with drafting some offensive linemen they go with Brady Christensen what's your thoughts on him yeah so I like Brady Christensen uh I don't know exactly how high I'd take him I'd start considering any time after the third round personally uh although I feel like he could go higher and like, I get that he's going to be, uh, again, he's another one of those prospects. He's a bit older. I want to say he's 24 because he served uh, his uh, Church of Latter-day Saints mission down in New Zealand after high school. So uh, he is a bit older than the average draft prospect coming out. But just the physical tools that he brings, he's long, he's got long arms, and he's athletic. And that is something that I just love. Uh, like watching him on tape that just shows up he's you know nimble and pass protection he can change direction well uh, and he can accelerate well when climbing to the next level which I like a lot in you know like a zone scheme like the one the Bears use in their offense uh, again I don't know necessarily what type of blocking scheme we're going to see from the Bears this year because they ran a bit more inside zone near the beginning of the year but as the year went on and Bill Lazor kind of took over we did see a little bit more outside zone but regardless, I do think that a guy like Brady Christensen with his mobility and just the length that he brings, I think that that's a really good, uh, a really good combination going forward. And I think he could use a little bit of time to, you know, bulk up and work within a, you know, strength and conditioning program. But I do really like what he brings to the table. Uh, I wouldn't go completely out of my way to take him because this is again, a really deep offensive tackle class, but I do like Brady Christensen. I think he can be a starter in the league for sure. What about round two? Cody Whitehair, James Daniels. I feel like this is just an area of the draft that Ryan Pace feels comfortable drafting you know, offensive linemen. Would there be any tackles that you think could fall to number 52 that have a, you know, a fringe uh, round one to two grade on them? Or just any round two guys in general that you could see as a potential fit? Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
I actually have three guys in particular who kind of stand out who fit that bill. Uh, Samuel Cosme out of Texas is one guy. I think he will go higher than the Bears' second-round pick. Uh, I, my guess is he goes either late first or early second. But if he does fall to 52, I think he's as slam dunk of a pick as you can get at that position. Uh, the Just the mobility and the ease with which he plays for his size is really impressive. And, you know, he's got some potential in terms of his upper body strength. Uh, a bit thin and a little bit stiff uh, in terms of being a waist bender against a knee bender. Uh, but I do think that there's a lot to like with him. Uh, Dylan Raddins out of uh, North Dakota State is a guy that I really like as well. Uh, and it's kind of similar to Cosme. I think that Reddins' uh, athletic ability really stands out on tape, but he also has a bit of a nasty edge to him. And he showcased at the Senior Bowl that, hey, this I'm not just a product of me going up against FCS competition. I can play at the next level, and I can dominate against Power 5 guys. So I'm not at all worried about his small school status or him being, uh, you know, only playing one game in 2020. But I think he's a guy they could target in round two. And the other guy I'm sure a lot of Bears fans will really like because of the ties with the college is Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think he's as high of a ceiling type guy as Cosme or Raddins because both of those guys are more athletic on film. But I do think that Eichenberg is – he fits that Notre Dame kind of mold where they're all – like pretty like technically sound. Right. And uh, I think Eichenberg he's the strongest of the three guys that I mentioned. I think that overall from, you know, top to bottom, he has a very well-proportioned frame uh, and packs a mean punch at the point of attack. And I like the way he uses his hands. He's, you know, pretty accurate in terms of his placement and he's active in terms of wanting to uh, fight for that inside leverage. So I think Liam Eikenberg might be the most polished out of that of those three guys. Could he be available at 52? I think he could be. Uh, and there is a possibility all three of those guys go before 52 just because of the need for offensive tackle around the league. But I feel really happy if the Bears came away with either of those three guys, assuming they didn't go offensive tackle in round one already. Really good stuff there, Jacob. Nick, anything else uh, at this position uh, from your perspective? No, I, I see in our notes, though, Will, that we're going to move over to the defense. So I'm going to get started with that there, Will. And I think, Jacob, for me personally, when I was seeing maybe early on mock drafts where the Bears are going defensive guys, you know, in that first round, I was like, whoa, whoa, the Bears have too many needs on offense to maybe be thinking about a cornerback. But then, you know, as you kind of do more film study, you get to see like, okay, well, if, you know, Greg Newsom is there at, you know, pick 20. Maybe you're thinking about that. What are your thoughts on maybe the bears potentially drafting the successor to Kyle Fuller um, with the 20th overall pick and where are some guys that you'd like there if they were potentially to fall and yeah, just the cornerback position in general with that. Make, first sure, round pick. And make sure you mention Caleb Farley because you threw him <laughs> out there, which got me excited. And again, if you just got rid of Kyle Fuller, you may as well replace him with someone from the same school. And again, it's just like the Texas talk we had earlier. Just, it just makes so much sense. It does. It really does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Caleb Farley is one of the guys I was going to mention there. Uh, and while I would prefer going along the offensive line at 20, I do think that if the value's right at corner, I'd be perfectly okay with that. Uh, Caleb Farley's a guy I really like. I have him as my corner two in this class still, even with the uh, concerns about his injury. Uh, it's like a micro disectomy or something like that. I don't 
I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I'm not like a doctor or anything, but no. it's something. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Got like a doobie house situation over here. Uh, but it's something to do with his spinal cord. But, you know, people who are much more in the know about that kind of stuff than I am, uh, they recognize that, you know, it's a minor injury and there's a pretty, you know, strong chance that he's going to be able to come back to normal. Uh, so I'm a big fan of just the length, the fluidity, and the ball skills that Caleb Farley brings. Uh, and for a guy who's a bit newer to the cornerback position full time, uh, remember he played quarterback in high school and was actually training to be a wide receiver before he tore his ACL uh, in 2017. I think it was that was his redshirt year. Uh, so he's still a bit newer to the cornerback position, but as we saw in 2019. He moves really well. He's come along really quickly in terms of his route recognition abilities. He can use his length to his advantage in jamming receivers, uh, whether it's at the line of scrimmage or, you know, near the top of their route, being pretty active without being called for pass interference penalties. Uh, And then just his ability to contort and track down the ball. I think Caleb Farley would be a very good pick for the Bears at 20. And again, like it's an offense heavy draft for a team that's has a lot of needs on the offensive side of the ball, but I wouldn't mind Caleb Farley at 20. Uh, another guy I want to bring up real quick is Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Uh, you know, Nicholas, you were talking a bit about him and uh, I think that he's injuries aside. And I get that that's tough to do because he's had dealt with some sort of nagging injuries every single year at the collegiate level. And that's not something that should be ignored. And if you're going to take him, you need to do a lot of medical research on him, but Hometown guy, which, you know, can't hurt, but more importantly, he's long, he's super fluid, and he might be the smartest cornerback in this class. And, you know, Northwestern, you know, they're pretty well-renowned for their academic success. And admittedly, I don't know if Greg Newsom, uh, I don't know what his grades are, but just judging off of his ability to, uh, play on the football field he seems like a very smart guy so i wouldn't be surprised if he's got a high gpa or anything but that alone uh route recognition skills are through the roof ability to read a quarterback's eyes and determine when they're going to throw the ball and where they're going to throw the ball uh I'm, I'm really impressed by it. and every time i watch him i say okay does he like have a copy of their playbook and know exactly what they're <laughs> running every single time because that's what it seems like with him and sure maybe he's not a dynamic top speed guy. Uh, He ran well at his uh, pro day, but there were times where he got beat deep in terms of long speed. But most of the time you're going to be going up against those shorter and intermediate routes. And Greg Newsom is incredibly fluid and he's athletic enough to the point where he can take on those type of routes. So I have very little concerns about Greg Newsom at the next level. Uh, injuries are one of those concerns, but Greg Newsom again, would be a guy that I'd be okay with taking at 20. What about pick 52? Uh, it could be an outside guy. It could be an inside guy. I know someone that Nick and I have talked about in the podcast that we like a lot, um, is Elijah Molden. I'd be really curious to your thoughts on him as well. Yeah. So with Elijah Molden, uh, I do think that round three might be a little bit better for him, but that's not necessarily, uh, you know, a slight on his end. I mean, he's still a very good prospect uh, in terms of just his nosiness uh, and his overall ability to, 
you know, get his hand in there and enter the frame of an opposing receiver and make a play on the ball. I think he's one of the best in the class. Uh, I do like him a lot in the slot, whether the bears want to use that high of a pick on a guy who's probably going to project as a slot corner at the next level. I don't know, but all I know for a fact is that whoever drafts Elijah Molden is probably going to be getting a very high end slot corner at some point in his career, just because he's patient He's calculated, but is also aggressive in terms of when he makes his jumps on routes or when he tries to make a play on the ball. And he's a high motor guy. So you you won't see him like shying away from contact as a tackler, even though he's a bit smaller. Uh, And he's going to keep fighting to make a play on the ball no matter what or no matter who he's going against. So with Elijah Molden, I I can see him going in the second round and I, I wouldn't be mad if he went at 52 at all. I do think he's a better fit in round three, but again, I still think he's a very talented player. Any other maybe middle to later round slot guys that you would see the Bears being interested in? Uh, I say that knowing that they already have a couple mid-round draft picks that are been here for a while that could project into that spot, but based off of what I've seen, and Jacob, I'm assuming what you've seen as well, I don't think you can really hang your hat on any of them being the answer to replace I was going to say Buster Screen, but really we're still trying to replace Bryce Callahan. Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if they try and add some sort of competition in there with, you know, Duke Shelley or Kendall Vilder. Uh, Two guys in particular that I think could stand out for the Bears is, uh, you know, Thomas Graham out of Oregon and Avery Williams out of Boise State. Uh, I'll start with Thomas Graham Jr. Uh, He was a guy that I really loved watching at the Senior Bowl. And I think that he could play outside or inside, honestly, but I'd personally keep him in the slot just because of, you know, that's where I think he plays best. Uh, I think he's got, you know, very good route recognition skills. I keep touting that because there are a lot of cornerbacks who don't necessarily know what's coming. And that often leads to issues with, okay, how often does this guy watch film? How often does he, you know, break down opposing defenses or opposing offenses rather Uh, And I can look at Thomas Graham Jr. and say, okay, this guy, you know, studies, he works his butt off in the film room Uh, and he's fluid. I think that maybe not the most elite athlete in terms of straight line speed, but I do think he's very fluid and he's a reliable tackler too. So he's the type of guy who's, you know, a bit scrappy out there in the nickel. And I think, you know, they kind of have a guy who's like scrappy like that in Kendall Vilder, but at the same time, He's also played more outside, if I'm not mistaken, than he has on the inside because of injuries. Uh, So I don't even know if the Bears truly project him as a nickel or if they just uh, perceive him as, you know, depth to have along the outside uh, at that field side cornerback spot. So I don't know. But I I do know, though, that Thomas Graham Jr. is a pretty talented guy, and he definitely showed out at the Senior Bowl. Uh, And as for Avery Williams, he's another one of those guys where if you're looking on day three – then you become a much more attractive prospect if you have experience or value on special teams. And Avery Williams might just be the best return man in this class. Uh, I want to say that he's had six punt returns for touchdowns in four years and three touchdowns as a kickoff returner. I mean, he's just absolutely electric with the ball in his hands, which makes me think, okay, could he be in like that Jamal Agnew sort of role where he starts off as a corner and move him to receiver, whatever you want to do with him. But regardless, I do think that get the ball in his hands as a returner, but he's also a very fluid athlete 
coming out of the slot. And he does a good job of accelerating downhill and coming down with that straight line speed to, you know, either jump on a route or to make a play as a tackler. Uh, and again, with a lot of these slot corners, you're not going to see like truly big guys, but he's willing as a tackler. And is he raw in terms of his, his in overall instincts and feel for the game? Yeah, but he's shown promise. I like his ability to make sure to uh, kind of create a facade about what his blind spot is and then, you know, lead a receiver in the opposite direction. And then he's fluid enough to the point where that doesn't necessarily matter. He can flip his hips, go across his body and make a play on the ball regardless. So Avery Williams is a guy I really like on day three. I don't know exactly if you're wanting him to be a starter in the slot at the next level, but at the very least he's solid depth and a guy who can really contribute on special teams. Now, Jacob, you mentioned, you know, Agnew going from corner return specialist to offense. Nick, can you name anyone else who's done that in their career before? (laughs) It's probably a couple of people I can name, but yes, I know what you're alluding to there, Will. (laughs) Say it. Do I have to? You don't actually know, Jacob. I I want to go. I want to go real quick because I I think this is um. We we were talking about Mobile and just some of the players there, and I just want to know in this process when you're watching all these prospects, who's the one guy that you're like, man. He keeps on making plays for, for me. And I actually was watching this with um, Andrew Freeman from bear report. When we were in mobile, we kept watching Quinn miners, um, his tape. And my goodness, there's so many times where can we rewatch that? Can we watch that again? Can we put it on replay? We had insomniac cookies when we were doing that. And we just kept <laughs> on watching his highlight tape. Was there a prospect? Maybe it was miners from Wisconsin whitewater, but was there anybody that you just kept on just wanting to watch or just just was infatuated with what they were able to do on the football field. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love to talk about minors for a little bit just because that's, you know, one of my draft crushes in this class. I uh, I came into the Senior Bowl, you know, oh, he's a Wisconsin Whitewater guy, uh, you know, small school, uh, but they are known for being, you know, mean in the trenches and having, you know, that very good offensive line and, you know, tough blue-collar guys. Quinn Miners is just so much fun to watch. He is an absolute beast out there. Just He just demolishes people at the point of attack. He's so strong, and he's like low to the ground too. He does a great job of getting his weight underneath him, and he's got a powerful frame. I mean, we saw at the Senior Bowl, he was letting his gut hang out. There's a lot of him there. So uh, as far as just the nasty temperament that he plays with, the technique that he shows for, especially for a smaller school guy is really impressive to me and his overall awareness and IQ, uh, man, I could see him going round two. I definitely think so. Uh, and is that reactionary? I don't think so because he had really good tape in 2019 and he was able to showcase at the senior bowl. Okay. I belong in the NFL. I'm not just some, you know, a small school guy who's dominating against, you know, less than ideal competition. I am, I'm for real. I can go pro and I can start in the league. So Quinn Miners is a guy that I, I love, and I'm really happy you brought him up just because I love any excuse that I have to talk about him. Uh, He's awesome. And him lifting, you know, logs and, you know, making his own weight room and in like the wilderness. (laughs) It's like, that's, that's awesome. And like the gut hanging out, like when we were in 
you know, at the senior bowl practices, you're, you know where he's at at all times. Cause you just yeah. see that big round belly. And I think he got injured for one of the practices. You're like, no, no, we want more minors, you know? So yeah, he's an awesome player to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he also has a pet snake. I found that out oh. recently. Uh, I saw some sort of tweet. He was having an interview with NFL network and he was talking about he and his girlfriend have a pet Python. And I'm thinking like, if this guy couldn't get even more interesting, I mean, he just did right now. So and that stuff aside, absolutely. He's a killer player on the field. Uh, I, I just love watching him go to work. Jacob, we've hit on all the bigger needs that the bears have. There's, there's more, uh, we have positions like edge, uh, center tight end. If you're looking down the road inside linebacker, uh, safety, uh, a long-term answer, not to Sean Gibson, although I'm glad he's back for a year. We just know that's not a long-term approach uh, to counter Eddie Jackson. So I'm just curious, uh, you don't have to give me a huge laundry list, but out of those positional groups, are there any prospects that you like over the rest or does any one of those that just feel like you know really good fits that the bears could have a chance you know whether it's you know later in the draft or maybe they just want to go and get another second round tight end i don't know you tell me uh, any players in those lesser needs areas that you uh you've liked to look into and think could fit on the bears yeah well so there's one guy in particular that i kind of want to touch on uh he's a tight end and I'm looking at with Jimmy Graham, where he's at right now, he's going to be sticking around for 2021, uh, barring some, you know, last minute unforeseen release or anything, which I don't really see happening uh, at this point. But you've got him. He's a big bodied tight end. He's a guy with very good ball skills, at least in his prime, uh, very athletic and, you know, a bit raw coming out of Miami, who doesn't have a ton of starting experience. Uh, and for me, and I'm not going out and saying that this guy is going to be Jimmy Graham because obviously that's a really high bar to reach. But a guy I can see some similarities to is Zach Davidson out of Central Missouri. Uh, he's six seven, about two forty five, and he had the chance to participate at Mizzou's pro day, and he put on a clinic. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he ran in the four sixes in his forty yard dash, which for a guy that size is impressive. Uh, and then after I saw his numbers, I'm like, okay, I got to turn on the tape on this guy. I got to see what I can find. And there are just so many instances of him, not only going up over guys to make grabs and fighting through contact and just demolishing guys at the catch point, but he's also a fluid athlete and he's an effective threat on the seam who can flip his hips. Well, uh, I've seen him make guys miss after the catch too. And I don't know necessarily how often that's going to work at the NFL level, but I do think that his athletic ability his size, his raw ball skills are all there. Uh, if you can teach him a little bit of blocking technique, if you can teach him to be a little bit more crisp in his routes, uh, then I think you've got a real sleeper on your hands. I feel like with that athletic upside, he's the type of guy you sit for a year and say, okay, maybe you can look at him as a long-term compliment to Cole Komet and then have that one-two punch of the tight end position that you know a team like Philly's had with Ertz and Goddard's uh, a team like New England is trying to get now with uh, John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. I mean, you know, there are examples of these one-two punches, and I feel like the Bears, if they get Zach Davidson, they could potentially get that. That's that's interesting. I'll have to look into him a little bit more. That's really enticing. Uh, you mentioned the word sleeper. I want to give the opposite. Are there any players that you're to say, please stay away from at all costs, that either you've seen associated with the Bears in mock drafts, 
uh, that you've looked into and you're just like, please, for the love of God, do not draft that guy. Yeah. So quarterbacks aside, I don't want to, you know, touch on that because we've already talked a bit about that. One guy that I've seen mocked to the bears around round two ish uh, that I'm personally not a huge fan of is Deami Brown out of North Carolina, the wide receiver. Uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm ragging on the guy because he has talent and I think he can be a decent enough starter in the league, but I look at him. I don't really see anywhere where he's all great. I think he's decent at a lot of things. I think he's got decent size. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but his size is passable. Uh, He's good in contested catch situations, but he's not like a bully or anything. Solid athlete. I don't think he's necessarily a great one. Uh, Can he stretch the field vertically? Can he make guys miss in the open field? I don't know. Uh, It just seems like he's the type of guy that I kind of project as like a high end wide receiver three. And, you know, that's totally fine. But if you've got Darnell Mooney on the roster, yeah, he's a talented player. You could still find an upgrade from him and then have Mooney as one of the best wide receiver threes in the league. You know, that's just the way I view it. If you're taking a receiver in round two, you're looking for a guy who can eventually grow into that number two role. And I don't know if De'Ami Brown can be that guy. I don't think he'll be bad, but I just don't really see him being that round two, you know, early day two prospect that a lot of guys are kind of putting him in right now. Uh, and, And again, I'll preface that he's not a bad player. He's just not a guy that I'd particularly want the Bears taking him round two. Sure. Exactly why I asked the question. I appreciate that. Nick, is there anything else uh, for Jacob on your end? I just have one final question, but I just want to give you the floor one last time in case. No, I'm just, I'll just say this before you ask your, your final question there. Well, I just, what's more impressive than, you know, Jacob just having this vast knowledge and all these players is like, <laughs> I don't think at one point, almost, almost going to hit an hour here. I don't think you've taken a swig of water, which is, Maybe you haven't. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. That's impressive in itself. So, Jacob, you're awesome. And like like Will said earlier on the show, if you're not following Jacob, just you know go ahead and do that because you look at the knowledge that we're getting here and learning about players that you know are in the later rounds. This you're gonna get that with Jacob every single time. Yeah, you can find him on Twitter at Jacob Infante. That's uh, at Jacob Infante twenty four. J A C O B I N F A N T E two. I had that coming up in a couple seconds, Nick, but you beat me to it. Uh, Jacob, uh, the last question I have is ultra serious, uh, and it's a little bit more personal. What advice do you have for me uh, when I'm going through my final mock draft here over the weekend for our next episode? Uh, I'm real curious. Uh, maybe the advice is better for Ryan Pace a week from tonight, um, but any advice as I go through my exercise one last time? Yeah, so – my personal philosophy in terms of going for draft picks, and I recognize that Ryan Pace definitely doesn't do this, and some other GMs around the league definitely don't do this, but I'm a big fan of trading down. I'll just say that unless you can get a Tevin Jenkins or even like a Rashad Bateman or anything like that, I feel like with this class, if you move back a little bit in the first round, you can per- pick up like, you know, third or fourth round picks, stuff like that. Where I think the Bears are at right now, is yes, they have a defense that's ready to win now and some pieces on offense, but what are they going to be in two, three years? And Ryan Pace, (laughs) I see Nicholas making that face. I I feel the same way. Uh, In two or three years, I don't know how many of these guys will still be around within the organization because 
how many star players do they have on rookie contracts right now? Like Roquan Smith is entering the final year of his rookie deal. Yep. Uh, James Daniels has been solid. Uh, Anthony Miller didn't pan out. And then you're looking at like maybe Bilal Nichols, but his contract's up at the end of this year. Cole Komet, David Montgomery. I mean, we still have more to see out of these guys before we can say, all right, you know, they can stick around for a second contract. So Ryan Pace has done a pretty good job of drafting. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Sure, you know, he's messed up in terms of positional value, uh, but in getting mid-round to late-round sleepers, he's better than most GMs in the NFL. Uh, so my philosophy is, okay, you're you're a good drafting GM. Stock up on more picks. Uh, so, I mean, that's just my opinion. Uh, but if you're looking to stay put, if you're looking to just stick with the selections that you have, because I know that trading down, that's a really tough exercise to try and project because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes two to tango. There are so many different directions you can go there. Uh, but as, as you're doing your mock draft, uh, I say value, value over need because as uh, tempting as it might be sometimes to go, okay, Bears need quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, you know, in that order, I'm going to go in that order with these draft picks. Uh, sometimes the draft, the board doesn't fall that way. Sometimes if there's a prospect that you like, who's still on the board that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be at 20, say if it's a cornerback or something, or like a, I don't know, I wouldn't say center because it's not like a huge center class. And I don't think anyone's going to go that high, but a different position that's, you know, kind of a minor need, but you have a really good player still available. You go with that because at the end of the day, you're looking to get the best players available for your team. Uh, And obviously you secretly like for those players to be at a position of need, but ultimately what the best teams do is they prioritize value. So I think that just, you know, value and not reaching for prospects. I think sticking with your gut on, you know, which guys you like, regardless of position, uh, within reason. I mean, you don't go, sure. if you're the Bears, like taking an edge rusher really in round one, I don't think that's, like, I'm not a big fan of something like that. But, you know, within reason, if you have uh, a good player at a position of even a decent need, I think you should go for it. Okay, so I wrote down BPA all the way. Good enough? Okay. That sounds about right. That's that sums it up perfectly. My I think little, I used uh, to say that a lot in this podcast when Pace first was like GM, and like you said, it doesn't always pan out. Like he's even said, "Mister, I'm going to draft a quarterback every year." Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one come to fruition either. Uh, speaking of trading <laughs> down, one final question because it really got my mind uh, back to when I was younger and I was able to play video games a little bit more. Have you ever done the extreme trade downs in like the franchises of Madden, where you trade oh, down yeah. one year? If you do it for another year, then you own like that third year of the draft. Like you're on the board, you have like 20 of the first round picks. You own the whole second and third round. Then you just get to pick your whole <laughs> team. It's always, it's always fun doing that. It's a good exercise. Yeah, uh, actually, over Christmas break, I want to say it was, we came back and uh, I was playing a Madden Connected franchise with some of my buddies from school, and <laughs> everyone got so mad at me because I kept like trading down and trading players and picking up draft picks. And they got to the point, like another one of my friends did this, like he and I had like 
25 out of the 32 picks just for herself yeah. in round one. So I, I'm well, I'm well uh, versed in that kind of philosophy and just spamming first round picks and second rounders and Madden. That's the way that I love to play my franchises. Same. Is it realistic? No, but it's a lot of fun. And then, and then at least what I, I play, I always do the bears because just who I am, my kid gets annoyed by it. So I'm watching like be any other anyone else when you play that game. No, like, sorry, I can't, but then you just have the bears are now on the clock and it's like back and back, back to back. It's, it's a lot of fun. So I'm glad someone else does the same thing. Nick shaking his head like, wow. I haven't played Madden so long. I actually have what two copies over there. I don't even know where they came from. Madden 17 and Madden 09. And those, those I don't about know the where same they came quality from. as the ones now. <laughs> probably right <laughs> no difference it's a roster update you're good yeah for sure but um it does sound like a, a lot of fun to have that many picks in consecutively be on the board ryan pace would love it yeah he or, or he wouldn't he trade them all away to go like one spot up i don't know but anyway jacob <laughs> it was an honor and a blast to have you on it was a lot of fun uh, as we mentioned at the top way overdue um, but we finally were able to kind of make it all work. And I know I took away uh, a ton of information. Nick was taking a ton of notes I saw, and I'm certain our listeners uh, feel exactly the same. So I just want to say thank you so much. I know you're helping a lot of Bears fans. And I know if you feel any way like I do, it's always a great feeling to know that you were able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about draft season. I mean, obviously, I love you know getting down, watching tape, taking notes and all that. But I love interacting with people. And, you know, if they have questions for me or, you know, I am just spouting out something and maybe they either agree or disagree with me, uh, I, I love that interaction. And I love, you know, just knowing that, okay, people are, you know, they like what I have to say. You know, it's a really good feeling to have. Uh, and especially this draft season, it's like, it's like my, I don't know, my, my magnus opus, whatever, every year, you know, everything that I'm, you know, working towards builds up to this massive crescendo of those three days of me just going all out. Uh, and yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get too much sleep those three days. I'm not going to lie, but it's worth it because I just love, you know, being able to talk about what I love and, you know, I'm just grateful that people are listening to it. I love that. I love it. I, I love your enthusiasm and really just your dedication to the draft. It's something that, uh, since we've connected over the past few years that I've noticed and it's just tremendous. And like I said, that Sunday or even that Saturday night, you're going to come out with a tweet. Like, By the way, this may be a little early, but here are my top 10 players for next year. And I don't know if you have that list now or if you just pull it out later on or you're just delirious after three days, you just somehow like hallucinate and there they are. But it's, it's tremendous. I know you just go from one draft class to the next and uh, just keep it up, man. It's great stuff. For sure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm taking that Sunday off. I'm taking that Sunday off from draft Good. talk. Uh, maybe that next week I'll start to look into 2022 guys. I know who I want to watch, uh, <laughs> but again, I don't know if the bears are taking a quarterback or not, what they're going to do. Uh, if they don't go high on a quarterback, I have a, a pretty decent short list on guys that I want to get to. I don't feel like there's a superstar in the 2022 class. There are a lot of guys who could potentially break out though. I'll just go. say that. As, by the way, as soon as you tweet that list on Sunday, the day you're taking off, I'm going to call you out. 
but okay. <laughs> I'll put notifications on for you only on Sunday uh, there on my phone. So we'll see what happens. But thanks so much, Jacob. As everyone knows, things are going to get pretty hectic here now that we're officially in draft week. Up next, Nick and I, I've kind of spoiled this already, but we're going to return for our final mock drafts of the year. Nick, you said we're going to make this an official mock draft Monday episode. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So Monday night, final mock drafts of the year. And of course, we'll be going live as soon as the Bears are on the clock every single time. So make sure to join the 7,000 plus Bears fans and subscribe to our YouTube channel for our live reaction and analysis of all of those picks. Uh, we'll be back soon with those mock drafts. A friendly reminder that the last time the Bears had a first round pick, I guessed Roquan Smith right, which I know made Nick very happy, right? It was a good pick. I'm just mad that you got it right. That's just a pride thing. It always will be. Always will be. You're just still PO'd because you picked Mahomes to the Bears and we're not there. But we can talk about that on Monday night. <laughs> but until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.